All right, now we just say soon on the home page. <laughs> <laughs> Can they hear us yet? No, they can't. Uh, are you ready, though? I'm ready. Oh, hey. It's working. It is Hello. working. Incredible. Wow, that's weird. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, what do we do with this? Um, I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God, I can't look at this. I can't look at this. This is a normal episode. Everybody, yes. stop talking. Stop talking. I can't pay attention to you. I've got to do a normal episode here. <laughs> <laughs> how how are we supposed to pay attention to all these people while doing an episode? This is impossible. Yeah, right. <laughs> and like, think about what I'm looking like. I, I can't pick my nose while I'm recording. I used to. I, I definitely pick my nose when I record. Hundred percent. Yeah. Like it, it just happens. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Uh, unfortunately, we have already done the clap. Yeah, we did already do the clap. We can do a, like a fake one if you want. Oh yeah, just just for old times' sake. Here we go. All right, Andrew. All right, ready? Yeah. Yeah. Three, two, one. All right, perfect. Okay. Um, all right, let's do the other way. All right, three. What happened? Where were you? Perfect. Ah, there it is. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, so are we in the episode or are we doing the pre-episode? I can't tell yet. It seems like we might be in this like purgatory episode where, <laughs> you know, like we're being judged for the quality of our episode literally while we are doing it. Yeah, that's weird. It's kind of weird. I, that's why I'm not looking at chat. I'm just looking at like, I'm, I do have, I have my show notes on the screen over the the video from twitch mm-hmm. but i have it covering everything up to just where you are <laughs> so i'm looking at you beautiful but I'm, I'm not looking at anything else man it's like what's the point of even doing a live episode then i don't know yeah, <laughs> nobody knows <laughs> so this is a episode of layer by layer specifically the 32nd and this is a cubing podcast the show left parenthesis ostensibly right parenthesis <laughs> about rubik apostrophe s cubes comma speed cubing comma and occasionally slash often about other things period period today's show is being recorded friday april 10th 2020 and uh i don't know why i said it like that (laughs) and yeah if you want to discuss the show on reddit you can do so at reddit.com slash r slash layer by layer slash twitch.tv slash kitstifer where we are streaming this episode for those of you who are listening later that's right and you can discuss the show on speed solving now because i made a speed solving thread for the show what yeah because we need to get back onto speed solving everyone forums are where it's at top of pits and i are all about the forums <laughs> <laughs> oh all right all right tell me about this what did you do i i made a I did comment on the speed solving thread, and then I haven't looked at it since, so I don't know what's going on there. Oh, it's nothing too much. Um, I, I I started one just so that, like I could post in it every time we have a new episode, just to you know get more word out for the show. I see. Yeah, I see. that's that all. Sense. That's about all it is. But it's all. It's another reason to try to entice you to get back on speed solving. All right. All right. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> What do you uh, mean? I'll go on it now. I have that app you told me about, Tapatalk. Didn't you tell me about that? Yeah, yeah I, I think so. Someone else told me about that. And, oh, look at that. I have things in my inbox. I have 
updates from speed solving. <laughs> I have two new posts on layer by layer. They don't believe I'm me. Interesting. Clearly you're an imposter. Yeah, they said, I said at one point I wasn't on speed solving, yet this user joined in 2013. Well, little did you know that when I said I'm not on speed solving, I meant I don't use speed solving. That's what I I mean. I don't have an account. (laughs) That is what I meant to say. I know you had an account at some point. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it's what, like a 15-year-old forum? I think like almost anyone who was like an older cuber had a speed solving account at some point. Yeah. Apparently I made one in 2013 and I've used it. I guess I've used it a couple times to compete in like weekly competitions for FMC and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, we also have a logo that was made by Sarah Olson, who is awesome, and and we it's said it like between it's between Kit and I. If you're watching us right now, between us for what? The the logo is between us. It is just, just between you and me. There is a logo. <laughs> uh. Visual podcast puns. Here we go. Yes, uh. you're welcome, everyone at home. <laughs> for those who are listening to this later. We are, as you know, live streaming this episode when it was uh, released, and on the stream, the logo is literally between our video feeds. Yes, that's that's how it works. Yeah, so incredible. <laughs> shall we start as we always do with follow up? Right. <laughs> um, let's see. You put a comment from our subreddit in here. Why don't you talk about this? Yeah. Um, oh, this isn't from our subreddit. I see. Yeah, it is uh, from the Cuber subreddit. It was just a really <laughs> funny post, and I had to mention it. Um, <laughs> Jay Sunrise made a fairly somewhat popular post in the Layer by Layer subreddit um, that uh, basically cited the uh, chart from Davi that we looked at last episode. Because we got to wandering Tutmix at one point, and the yeah. image just says, Why does this look so familiar? And then is an it literally like uh, an image of the COVID nineteen virus <laughs> and the um, wandering tut minks on top of each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's why that thing is really similar. Hurt you. Yeah, <laughs> no, really hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know if I have much else to say about it. <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's worth checking out. We'll put a link in the show notes. Do you want to talk about cubing at home? How'd that go? It happened. I don't know. It was, for one thing, I I never could have imagined that an online competition would run late. <laughs> I don't know if they were just trying to go for like the real authentic cube comp experience. Because what is a cubing competition if it's not running late? Let's be real. Yeah, like you you have to, you gotta, and yeah. then like you catch up a little bit during some events, and then like you get way behind, and then you get way ahead, and then yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's natural. That's how it has to happen for real. Uh, but I, mean, it, I think that um, what's what it suffered to me, and we kind of talked about this a bit last time about how you know for us personally, uh, in person cubing competitions cannot be replaced by these quarantine ones. And the main thing that I think cubing home for me personally that it, like I really missed was just any form of interactions with others. Like it just felt very disjointed. Like I never really felt. Like, I was, I mean, I obviously people were doing the same solves as me at the same time. But, like, maybe that's something I should have done is, like, got a group of friends together who were all doing it so that we could be talking about what we were doing. Um, But I just never really felt like it was that um, strong of, like, a community event. I mean, obviously there was a lot of stuff going on, but I just never really felt that connection. I think one of the the crazy things was the um, 
the stream was just a little bit boring. <laughs> I don't know. Did you watch any of it or partake in any of the cubing at no. home? No. I no, I was completely just doing other things. I've been surprisingly busy lately. Like <laughs> <laughs> for being stuck at home. Yeah, like I have all these podcasts all of a sudden that I need to record and edit. And I have like schoolwork that I don't know, just a lot at once for some reason, even though it's all at from home and like I don't know, for some reason I just just felt really busy lately. So <laughs> Totally, yeah. The stream basically had like featured cubers come on and do their solves. Uh and they okay. would like get them in on a Discord call, kinda like how I have you in on a Discord call right now for this stream. Yeah. Just it, it basically they were on like waiting screens pretty much like 90% of the stream just like getting new people on because mm. like unless it was a long event like most events they come on for like a few minutes they're done and then that was it the commentary to me was just not very interesting like they didn't really have much to say while anything was going on like it would have been really nice if they had you know like two you know podcast uh you know trained people to you know kind of talk <laughs> about things in between mm. Uh, yes you know yes yes indeed <laughs> well uh, we're available <laughs> <laughs> i that aside um it would have it just i feel like it would have been a lot more engaging had they had some more things than just people doing solves and like some sort of like commentary like i don't know like having kind of like how sports broadcasts will have like people in the booth to like talk in between yeah. action or something like that yeah that would that would be fun yeah, I feel like that would have made it a little bit more engaging. Otherwise, it just felt really disjointed. You know, I was thinking uh, about what you talked about last episode about like it possibly replacing in-person events. Mm -hmm. And I thought of another thing kind of related to that, which is like esports. Those mm -hmm. are already like they those are kind of a thing that started as an out at home thing. Right. Right. And then they made this in-person aspect of that community with all sorts of events and championships and stuff yeah so i feel like that's kind of like a counter example to any possibility of it like of like at home stuff overtaking in-person competitions just because like that seems like a fairly similar ish community in terms of like having people who would be more introverted or whatever and they transitioned in the opposite direction because i feel like having the in-person events gives gives something that is just clearly missing to some extent at least yeah, I don't know. It's it. I don't know how you can really, for me personally, make the events that much more enticing. Uh, I am signed up for the one not uh, in the weekend following this upcoming one. I don't know if I'll actually do it. I just signed up just so that I could if I wanted to. <laughs> but I feel like I'll probably have better things to be doing that are more interactive. Like, I don't know. I've been in this whole quarantine. I've been doing so much like tabletop simulator and Jackbox games yeah. and tons of just like games with people remotely and it just feels so much more connecting with other people than doing a cubing at home competition yeah um I've, I've been doing a little bit of that um like i've been playing blood on the clock tower online and discord server yeah is, I, I agree cubing doesn't it's not like a group activity really not so much unless no. yeah unless <laughs> unless you have the in-person aspects which where you're like that just brings people together yeah to totally. do an individual activity at the same time as each other in the same place <laughs> yeah yeah one thing that's interesting and uh uh Artie mantis in our chat just pointed this out i literally had the same thought at the same time uh so 
weird um but they're doing <laughs> multi-blind at the next cubing at home competition and i really wonder how that's gonna go well first off like the schedule for it is bonkers if you look at the schedule they have for how they put multi-blind in um i don't understand how it's gonna work because they have the two by two final at 8 10 a.m in my time zone uh multi-blind also starts at 8 10 pyraminx at 8 20 and then three by three at 9 30 so you basically just have to do multi-blind right away if you want to compete in three by three? I guess, but it's like, do you just, if you're doing multi, can you just not do pyraminx? Like, I could imagine you could do two by two, like, real fast as soon as it opens and then yeah. move into multi. But are they going to keep pyraminx open from, like, 820 to 930 so that when you finish your multi, you can just jump in? I don't know how that's going to work either, because, like, uh, if you're taking the full hour for your attempt, like especially if you're doing a lot of cubes, it takes time to like get the scrambles, then scramble all of them, then do the attempt. Like that's probably, yeah, I was going to say, if you're doing, if you're doing like 50 cubes, you're not going to have time for that. Right. Yeah. Um, the other interesting thing too, is like, um, what if you go over an hour? How are you going to know when to stop the attempt? Oh, that's true. Yeah. Like, at home you can't do that i guess you could like set an alarm on your computer or something yeah like you'd have to do some sort of like countdown timer that would make a noise for stopping yeah. um yeah i don't know I, I didn't see anything specifically about pointing that out though which makes it, it'll be interesting to see how people will manage that um I mean, you can obviously make a video of yourself too to like rewatch it and see when an hour happened yeah um but alarms probably the easiest method I swear the chat is like literally like doing the podcast with us. They're like talking about the same stuff we were just talking about. Uh, <laughs> I just like look down. I'm like, why are why are you having a podcast in my podcast? Um, <laughs> anyways, um, oh no, you've you you've distracted me. You've made me move the windows around on my screen, and now it's all messed up. Ah, uh, ah, uh, the worst. Okay. Um, um, that being said, I was going to say something. Oh yeah, go you you say something. I've said many somethings. Um let's see. Hold on. Uh, I got to come up with something good now that I said that. Uh, <laughs> I swear I had something. I um it. Mm, hmm. Cubing at home competitions. No, nope, never mind. I lost it. All right, back to you. Back to you. back to you, Kit. <laughs> Did the chat distract you again, Andrew? I, I, it must have happened. <laughs> I don't remember anything from the past five minutes. What are we talking about? <laughs> uh, Reddit dot layer by com slash. Oh right, that's right. We're starting the show. Hello, everyone, <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to layer by layer. Um. Did I'm we... Kit Clement. Oh, and and, and I am Nathan Anderson. <laughs> so, Nathan. <laughs> so, how's your weekend, Christopher? <laughs> <laughs> My weekend hasn't happened yet. Are we? In a, did I just like teleport to an alternate reality? <laughs> I meant last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, what I don't know what happened last weekend. Um, should we do a topic? Sure. Okay. I want. I wanted to talk about the bell. Can I talk about the bell real quick? Yeah, I guess. All right. So some people have been trying to guess what the bell is, uh, and nobody's gotten it like a hundred percent. But people have gotten close enough that I feel like they're not quite going to get there. 
So I don't know. Maybe I'll give a second for the chat if anyone has any last second guesses for the belt before I reveal it. Uh oh. Um, I think people got God. close, but with cakes or something. Yeah, it's pretty close to cake related. So that was like very close. And I will say that I haven't been like, like I've been pretty generous on my definition of what I've been ringing the bell for. <laughs> I may have rang it a few times when I probably shouldn't have, but like I wanted to ring it more often. So you know. Uh, <laughs> So I had an idea. I don't. It doesn't really pertain to cakes, but I'll take a random stab at it because you said okay. that it, like it's something clearly food related and it has to somehow relate to this show. It is. It is pretty closely related to cakes. So does it have to do with Tillamook cheese? No. Oh, OK. I was just trying to think of like any food references that like were big on our show at, at any point in our history. And Tillamook was like one of the things that came to mind that that's a good good um idea <laughs> well not anymore now that i've spoiled the correct idea <laughs> oh i i thought you meant like good idea for like a future bell oh <laughs> <laughs> i'm like well not anymore all right i will reveal it now i rang the bell whenever you said something that could also be said on our sister show layer by layer the baking show oh that's r- i remember that <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, because Layer by Layer is a show about baking cakes. Of course. Right. Yeah, that's, of course. That's our sister show, Layer by Layer, the baking show. <laughs> <sighs> wow, that is that is a big groan. That is a major groan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now i got to come up with a new bell. <laughs> For this episode? Yeah, maybe I'll come up with it partway through. Beautiful. It's going to be Tillamook, I bet. Uh... By the so, way, so nobody quite got it, but quite a few people said things about cake. Yue uh, Xiao Not Pass got pretty close. Um, I forget who else. I'm sure others did as well. But yeah, I just I remembered Yue Xiao Not Pass because they won an LB. Uh, but yeah, so I've, I'm going to come up with a new one. Maybe it'll make an appearance in this episode. Maybe it won't. We'll never know until it happens. I have a topic that I want to do next. All right, I'm ready. Okay. I want to give a shout out quick, and especially right now because we're doing this show live. I want to give a shout out to Hollywood, Maryland. Okay. Uh, because when I was planning the uh, time for this podcast, I was trying to figure out like what would be the best time in terms of like where our listeners are, um, to like basically try to get as many people as possible. And I found that Anchor has really detailed demographic information. Oh uh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, to literally to the point of like this like very like the city in which people are listening to the podcast <laughs> okay that's creepy um apparently so of course 65 percent of people that are listening to the show are from the u.s which is not surprising uh to me at all uh just english speaking and that's the people we are going to spread this show to most easily um yeah. but then of the 65 percent 20 percent comes from maryland okay it's pretty big. Yeah. And then of that section, 91% comes from the small unincorporated village of Hollywood. <laughs> hmm. So I don't know what, uh, <laughs> I don't know who's like downloading our podcast like 400 times or something from Hollywood. Probably not 400, maybe 40. Uh, but, <laughs> um, 
whoever you are, shout out to Hollywood, Maryland. You are uh, by about 11.8% of our audience. <laughs> I have I have a theory. Okay. So I know that most of our listeners probably aren't tracked by whatever anchors getting their data from just because most podcast yeah. players don't track anything like this. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just based on like the model that podcast use it's pretty difficult to track where listeners are and stuff and actually get that data communicated back. So I think that makes it so that we're dealing with a smaller sample size, so it's easier to get like 91% of the traffic from Maryland all from one place. And then I think, I, I don't know, maybe there's like a VPN or something that like makes it appear as though people are listening from Maryland or or from from Hollywood, Maryland. Maybe, I don't know. It'd be a really random place to pick. Like it's, um, it's like in the Chesapeake Bay. Okay. Of Maryland, like not on like the Delaware side, but on the um, <laughs> the the not Delaware side of the the Chesapeake Bay. So like I don't know, it's it's a very odd place for it to pick as like some random GPS coordinate. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Everyone in chat is now uh, sp- saying <laughs> where they're from uh, by following it with gang. Uh, I like the <laughs> I like the Oregon gang. Got a shout out my my game i saw one from san diego yeah (laughs) all right wait i'm gonna try to uh, let's figure out what's up with hollywood maryland maybe it has some like gps coordinates that make it popular for some reason or like it has default like isn't there some place where like if um it's like if google maps doesn't know where something is it just like puts it in some default spot so as a result it looks like there's like a billion things there yeah, well, that's like Null Island, which yeah. is the zero zero coordinate, like off the coast of Africa. Yeah, like, <laughs> basically, like in underneath, like the angle created by Africa. But there's no actual island there. But apparently, there's a lot going on, so it's like given an island status. All right. Hey, but, I've got a new segment for you. Okay. Hollywood, Maryland fact of the day. We got a pretty good <laughs> Wikipedia page. I'll just throw that out there. You know, it's it's, it's an option it's, for you. It's not a bad idea. Segment. <laughs> I I bet you could get like five episodes out of this Wikipedia page alone. <laughs> oh man, five episodes. Uh, yeah, like if I do a coordinate here, it's like thirty-eight point three, negative seventy-six point five. So it definitely doesn't seem close to anything that could have been accidentally typed in. No, maybe. May, is anyone in chat from Hollywood, Maryland? Anyone? <laughs> Whoever this person is is apparently is going to get like so creeped out by this uh, segment. <laughs> like, why are they doing a segment on my hometown? Uh, Wait a minute. Hey, did did ATC in chat Faust in chat start saying their Hollywood Maryland facts before or after I said that was a thing you should do? <laughs> they uh, are just doing the podcast for us aren't they <laughs> they really are we could just get like a text-to-speech robot and just like replay the entire chat <laughs> and just post that as an episode yeah all right yep nope I, I don't know i don't know why 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 would you have we'd have so much listenership from hollywood maryland but i hope yeah. you find out the only theory i have is that like that um they their podcast app like has a weird way of like Gen- pulling the podcast that doesn't like store locally and maybe it's like getting replayed many times over and over yeah or maybe know. like maybe the podcast app was developed there or something and then like 
for some reason it reports everything from there the other thing too because like one thing i do there's a podcast i listen to whenever i go to sleep to like get my mind off of other things and i imagine because like i literally replay the same episode probably like 10 to 15 times and like let it play from start to finish or like with a sleep timer or something and like the same segments probably get played over and over while i'm sleeping (laughs) so maybe there's like one person there who does that (laughs) Yeah, someone someone in Hollywood, Maryland is using layer by layer to fall asleep, which honestly, (laughs) I'd be honored if that happened. Yeah, no, that's like one of the that's a great use of a podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy. The only the only show I ever did that with was Hardcore History because the episodes are like, well, I mean, they're like multi part and each part's like three hours long or four hours long. And. I was like, I want to like absorb some of the information from this. So I would just like listen to it a little bit at a time before I went to bed and then I'd fall asleep and then I'd like rewind like 30 minutes and then do it again. And <laughs> I don't think it really worked. Yeah, I found that a baseball podcast really works for me to fall asleep because I'm like that, interested that in good like work. It's it, I'm interested enough in baseball to like think about it, but not think about it like in, 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 in like a real engaging way. Yeah, like it's it's captivating my mind, but not like like uh stimulating my mind i see that makes sense that seems about right yeah so that's kind of what you want to find if you need like a go to sleep podcast (laughs) all right so while we're here doing a live show with a video i've wanted to talk about this for a little while but i invented a new one-handed m2 finger trick i mean since people since people can see me i might as well show it off right that's fair so some of you might have seen the one that I think Jay McNeil made a video about it or something. It's dumb, like it was a joke. Uh, you like flick the outer layer with your pinky and then the middle layer with your ring finger or something, bringing the other side with it, and you just do that oh, twice. No. Oh, no. So it's like, it's like you do R, R wide, and you do that twice, which kind of works, but it takes two flicks. And it's way less consistent than just like using the table to hold hold the cube for an M2. Did I describe that well enough that you can tell what I'm saying for the people listening at home? Yeah, I think I got it. The weird part about it is like you have to like hold down the middle slice if depending on how <laughs> loose your cube is. Like I have to hold down the middle slice on the outer flicks. Yeah. And then like ungrip, regrip, ungrip, and it's really awkward to do. Alright, well, I've got one that's even more awkward. Oh but boy. <laughs> if you do it right, it's faster. Okay. So you you kind of hold the cube with your thumb just barely. Um, all right. So so let's take the cube as like a, it's a three by three grid, right? Sure. Uh, sure. Upper left is zero, zero. Okay. So you, you have your, your thumb on like zero, one, slightly covering the center. So it's in the, kind of where you would normally hold it for like if you were doing one handed, but you just slightly cover the center rather than like actually holding on to the center. I don't get it. okay so you take the left 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 column of your cube put your thumb on uh onto the middle the middle piece in the left column and like barely over the center just just barely over the center okay and then you take your ring finger or i guess you could do it with your pinky but i prefer ring okay and you put it on the back of the cube um so on the on the right side the the two layers on the right side you want it like right in between those okay that if you like if you were just to flick with that finger it would do an r wide basically yeah yeah okay except it won't because my thumb is barely covering the center right so you have to flick really hard hard enough that the middle layer does an m2 and the right layer does an 
R4. <laughs> All right, I'm putting my cube down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hold on, wait. I was doing it so well earlier. Oh, kind of like that. Oh, almost. <laughs> have you have you heard of the Corey Sikowski U2? Oh, is that the one where you like build up pressure and then release and it like yeah it's yeah. like you, you try to do a u and a u prime simultaneously and then it does a u2 yeah this is kind of like that but it's for yeah, an m2 right that's what it reminds me of because it's like you're building up pressure to the point where it's like it, it it builds up energy and then you release it and somehow end up in a ridiculous state i mean but the thing is this works kind of <laughs> I've, I got to do it decently consistently. I can't, I, I've not been able to reproduce it now, so I'm not making a very strong case for myself. Uh, <laughs> I really just want to do one good one for the, for the podcast viewers on Twitch. See, the problem is I, I had this, I was like in practice like a month ago when I put this into the show notes and then we never got around to talking about it. So you're blaming me right now? Yeah, this is your fault. When did this become an ASMR podcast? <laughs> I'm, I'm cutting this whole part out of the episode out of the episode okay i'm just gonna pretend i got it on the first try <laughs> r4 does not sound easy do you want like well, well it's more like an, it's, it's more like an r2 and then the middle layer carries it over for the next two. Oh, that seems hard nice first try first try good job andrew Have you ever been at a competition? I have once or twice. Where you were late to an event? It happens. And as a result, got punched and taken down for it? No. No, I have not. <laughs> uh, well, this happened. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, th so in the latest uh, WDC Digest... Um, there was uh, a delegate that just got banned for five years for assaulting a competitor, basically. That, <laughs> what is... Why? Because they were late? Yeah, so um, this competitor was late to the 4x4 final. Um, okay. Yeah, apparently, like, the delegate, like, will commonly text this competitor, that, like, when things are about to start, but the venue had bad cell service or something, so it never happened. Um, okay. And, and, and because said competitor, like, consistently shows up late, um, <laughs> and basically he brought his cube up and was, like, going to try to sit down and compete, like, you know, like a normal competitor would, and he thought that the delegate was, like, joking, like, oh, you're going to need to, like, you're going to, like, you're disqualified. Like, you can't compete. You showed up late. But, like, the competitor thought, total joke. No way. Like, he's just kidding around. Yeah. Um, and he's like, no, I mean it. You need to leave. And then they had, like, a very long verbal altercation as a result of this. <laughs> to which, uh, basically, the competitor was like, just screw it and left. But apparently then okay. the delegate followed that person out. And, like, assaulted that person. Like, including, like, punching them in the back so they would fall onto a staircase as the competitor was running away, according to the report. I mean, that's one way to <laughs> handle the situation. Yeah. Um... They won't be getting any more late competitors. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure people will be on time now. Although, that person is no longer a delegate and not going to competitions for five years now, so... Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
Um, yeah. That was a very surprising report to read, even for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like... That's a new one. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and someone asking in the chat, only banned five years. Five years, I'm pretty sure, is like an unprecedented ban length. Like, there have been people who have been banned indefinitely, um, to be fair. Um, basically sort of on the condition that they, uh, like, fix the situation that they were in or whatever. Um, for example, uh, the, the blindfolded cheating scandal from like 2007, um, was supposed to be like an indefinite ban until like prize money was returned and things of that nature, uh, which never happened. So I'm pretty sure that ban is still ongoing. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like, yeah, there've been longer bans than five years, but I don't think there's been a longer stated ban ever in the WCA. Yeah. They're always, it's like conditional, like you're banned until until you can come back <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so i mean five years is, to start is an incredibly long ban um like incredibly long um and to be fair they did give like um ways that like this delegate could have the ban shortened uh like if they cooperate and like do certain things i can't remember what exactly it was but they had ways to like potentially shorten it i think to three years or something but like a five-year ban like Honestly, you give anyone a five-year ban, like, are they really going to even want a cube in five years? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like you think of that, yeah, five years is such a long time. Like, five seems like a low number, but it's a long amount of time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and the other thing, too, is that uh, the competitor who started the, vo the verbal altercation, I think, got, like, a three- or four-month ban, which, honestly, is a zero-month ban. <laughs> Because yeah. there aren't any competitions <laughs> going for the next three or four months. Man, I could have started a verbal altercation with a delegate for free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get any ideas. Uh, <laughs> conspiracy theory, coronavirus was started by this competitor. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so that everyone would be banned, including them. <laughs> I, I I mean, next time there's a pandemic on the horizon, I'm just going to start, like, insulting all the delegates at my competitions, really. Uh, and then you'll get punched in the back on the staircase. I guess that is a downside. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, in, in seriousness, it definitely is, like, one of those things that, for me, as a senior delegate, like, I read, and it's like, wow, yeah, I really need to take my job seriously here. Like, really make sure that we get the right people doing this job. <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's really tough to, like, um, especially for me managing, like, the entirety of the USA and Canada. Like, I often just appoint people I've never met in person, which is tough. And, like, I travel a lot, so I do get to meet a lot of people, which helps because then I do have, like, a good, like, at least a some way to know, like, that this delegate's someone I can trust and someone that won't punch someone in the back on the staircase. <laughs> um but yeah, it's uh, it's really challenging to like make those judgments of character, you know, from afar, and when you don't get a chance to meet these people in person. Um, yeah, yeah. You might need to add that one to your like interview now. Uh, <laughs> so how long have you been cubing? That I okay, do okay. Uh, have you ever punched anyone in the back on the staircase? Okay, okay, <laughs> noted. So yeah, that was uh. Man, got to be one of the more uh, notable incidents, like, by a delegate. Probably, 
I mean, it really depends on sort of what, what you're valuing in terms of, like, what is notable or what is, like, severe. Because there was the, the delegate that, like, nine years ago cheated in clock by previewing scrambles before competitions. That That's, like, a... That's an understand more understandable thing, I think, though. Because, like, that's them specifically using their, like, delegate powers to cheat. Like, that's what the thing that you're usually worried about with delegates, right? Right, um, right. Because that's, like, we're... This is just, like, a person doing something that, like, you wouldn't want anybody to do. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, so I don't know. It, it's it's tough to, like, compare because, yeah, one is, like, more in, like, in direct conflict with what you're trying to avoid in finding a delegate. Yeah. Um, whereas someone, uh, you know, physically assaulting someone is, like, not generally what you think of. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know take of it what take of it what you will but it's definitely a pretty significant incident in the wca community um and i don't know i wonder how much more we'd be talking about it if we were actually having competitions right now all right this is a weird question and it might not make any sense but i want to get your thoughts on it okay i've read this in the show notes for so long <laughs> so i have thought about this so this is a random thing that occurred to me it's like so we kind of take it for granted that the 3x3 scramble generators we use can generate a random state for a 3x3. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, in a way, I don't even know what the question I'm asking here is, but I'm just going to lay out the situation and then you give me your thoughts. Okay. What if instead of those uh, scramble generators being able to generate all of the possible states, mm -hmm. they could only generate half of the states, but that half of the states that they could generate is completely arbitrary. It has, like, nothing in common or anything that it has in common with between all the states is kind of incidental, like, other than the fact that they can all be generated by this <laughs> scramble generator. Like, does that make any difference, I guess? Is that... <laughs> because we're never going to generate all of the scrambles. So as long as we're generating from an arbitrary half, does it even matter if we can generate all of them? I think absolutely yes. Why? Why? Well, let, let's just say that... Um the half that we eliminate, like, I don't know, like, let's say we, like, only have um, scrambles that from some orientation have, like, 0, 2, 4, or 8 bad edges. But what if, but what if we don't? It's just a completely arbitrary half we get rid of. Well, you of. didn't it's say like... random, you said arbitrary. So I picked okay. one example. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's say it's a completely random half. If it's completely random, then, um... Okay, my next question would be, do, do people know which half it is? Um, let's say if you looked at a, hmm. Like, could people figure out which half is being pulled from? Let's say, for now, no. Because I feel like if you could figure okay. that out, then it wouldn't be, like, it wouldn't fit this de definition somehow. Yeah, so then in that case, I don't see an issue, uh, personally. Uh, as long as there's no way to know, like, how that half was picked, because if assuming that you pick a random half, uh, like, pick a random half of states, and then we always pick from that half, I don't see a problem, like, in our lifetimes, just because we're not running out of scrambles yeah. <laughs> in any way. Like, I, I guess it might be barely more common to get, like, duplicate scrambles from, like, one comp to another, because that, that, I think that... I don't know. Could that happen? I don't know. It's hard to say. Probabilities are hard, especially yeah. with giant numbers. Um, but um, 
I don't know, it's, it goes from like, you know, 4.3 times 10 to the 19th to 2.15-ish 2. 2. times yeah. 10 to the 19th, which is like basically as massive of a number. So it doesn't change like drastically the anything regards the worry of like running out of scrambles. We're still on the 19th power of magnitude. Um, what it does... What would change it to me is if somehow people knew which half it was pulling from, people could find systemic um, differences between the half that's chosen chosen in the whole states uh, to know mm -hmm. how to potentially take advantage of it. Which is why I thought about, like, if we're picking an arbitrary half, like, pick all of the scrambles that have, like, four bad edges from a certain orientation. Yeah, I guess what I, what I meant was more like, if you take any scramble... Mm -hmm. It is either included or not, and that's completely arbitrary. Like, yeah, it doesn't like that decision is arbitrary. So, like, it doesn't matter if it's in or not. So, that was my way of kind of trying to say like they don't have anything like that in common. I don't know. Yeah. Well, to me, it's kind of like you could imagine taking all of the scrambles, like all four point three times ten to the nineteenth, and ordering them. Yeah. And say like there's this big pool of scrambles that we're picking from. We're just taking from the top every time. Yeah. And like, there's no way that we're, at least in WCA competitions, going to get even halfway through in anyone's lifetime. Right. So just, you could say we've scrambled all of them, they're in an order, and we're just, you know, pulling from the top. Yeah, so that was actually kind of part of what I wanted to get at. Yeah. Um, is like, how would we know that we aren't in this situation already? <laughs> well, because... The way scrambles are generated doesn't restrict us to a half. That's what you would think, but I mean, I guess it kind of. So, I mean, are do you know generally how like scramblers are programmed when they're doing random state? Yeah, I think so. They like just like make all the stickers appear randomly, then they fix errors, kind of right, and then sort they of, generate yeah. a solve for that. Yeah, because essentially, I think. And there's many ways you can implement this, but one example way you can implement a random state for three by three is to like uh, start by saying, well, there are 12 edges. Let's place all 12 of the edges mm -hmm. and it'll like basically so you have 12 edges like you could say generate a random number one to 12 for this for like spot one, like the UF spot. And if you pick seven, you grab the seventh edge, which could be like the red blue edge. Yeah. And then you would flip a coin or pick one or two to determine which way it should be flipped. So you do that for all edges, except for the final edge. There's only one way it can go incorrectly. Mm -hmm. So that fixes all of the edges. Now you do the same thing for corners, generating random numbers one through eight in order without, um, without replacement to make sure you don't get duplicates. And then generate a random number one to three to determine the orientation. But uh, when you get to the sixth corner... The permutation of the last two is already determined because uh, you can't switch two corners. Um, so yeah, there's only one way they can go in correctly. Yeah. Um, so you would basically do that step for the first six corners, but then the seventh corner would already know where it's going. You just have to pick its orientation. And then the eighth one you pick, it, it like only has one way to go in. Yeah. Um, so that would be like a way to generate the state. But then the actual scramble is found by taking a solver program. You generate the inverse of that state. Um, or you actually just don't. You just solve that You just state solve it and then reverse the solution. And reverse the solution. And I think that actually a lot of scramblers don't even bother reversing the solution. Oh. 
Okay. Like they yeah, pick, that makes sense. They pick the state. They find the sequence and say, "All right, the inverse is now the scramble." Yeah, which <laughs> because is, works because right yeah, inverses are totally symmetric. Right. Yeah. So if you pick a inverse state randomly, you could say you're picking the the correct state randomly. Yeah. Yeah. So to get philosophical here, <laughs> what if we had some like hyperdimensional supercomputer, and our normal puny computers weren't able to actually generate scrambles successfully right they're just not strong enough but we have this hyperdimensional supercomputer and it can generate scrambles okay so our solution is to have the hyperdimensional supercomputer generate a bunch of scrambles over and over again mm-hmm. and then we just like take those from that Got it. Uh, and let's say we have it generate without any repetition have it generate the first half of all the states okay you would feel differently about that, right? Like, you would feel like that's weird and wrong? No, I actually don't. Like, if we're in a world where, like, generating 3 by 3 scrambles is computationally expensive, okay. like, I don't think that solution is wrong. I think that that's still fine if, like, there's sort of a pre-generated list. The main thing I would be concerned about is, like, the security of the pre-generated list. Hmm. Um... <laughs> Cause, yeah, I mean, you gotta make sure it doesn't, like, punch anyone in the back while they're going upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> right, I mean, well, like... <laughs> Thank God. Uh, not the security I was thinking of, but sure. Um, <laughs> the uh, the main thing I'm concerned about, though, is the... Um, I mean, like, there's a reason that delegates, when they generate scrambles for a competition, they do it locally on their computer. Yeah. Like, there's when you generate scrambles for a competition, you don't go to, like, worldcubeassociation.com and, like, go to the competition page and, like, click a generate scrambles button that generates them on, like, a central server. Uh, because that's a security issue. We don't want there to be a central server that's like on the internet that can be taken mm-hmm. advantage of. Yeah. Um, there's a tnoodle file that you download onto your computer locally and generate it from there. So every scramble that's generated for a competition is not generated on a central server. It's generated locally. And that's a choice we make to ensure scramble security. Um, right. So if you have, like, a central database of, like, pre-generated scrambles and it, like, allocates them to competitions one by one, um, like, I don't know, I guess, like, the main issue that that would cause is the, um, like, you now have a place where all the scramblers are located and, you know, you have to worry about, like, people figuring out what they are because they mm-hmm. get access to them somehow. That's the only real problem, like, in terms of, like, the theory of it, like, you generated the first half randomly, so you could say, like, here's all the scrambles in order, um, and then you just kind of take one off the top every time. Um, what you're eliminating is the possibility, because, like, you're you're creating a sampling method in that world that's without replacement. Once a scramble mm-hmm. is taken, it can't be picked again. Right. And in theory, there's nothing preventing that now, because once a scramble is taken, it could be uh used again actually i found i thought of a problem i now thought of a problem there is a problem with this now that i've said this out loud Um, what is it assuming that scrambles get posted you can now know what scrambles are remaining i guess guess, but like that doesn't seem like from a probabilistic perspective that doesn't seem like it'll give anybody any advantage ever 
Yeah, I mean, assuming they're generated randomly, like, there's not a huge deal, but it's kind of like a whole counting cards thing in, like, Blackjack, right? Like, once cards are gone, like, you now know better about the remaining contents of the deck. And say, like, you know, there have been competitions going on for, like, 30 years. You can analyze all of the scrambles that have been used. I guess so. To see if, like, there are just, by random chance, like, have there been biases against, like scrambles that have 10 bad edges like have we seen w- more of those have we seen few scrambles that have four bad edges or zero bad edges um, yeah it's like oh man we've seen so many easy green crosses i better that, be looking for other colors <laughs> right yeah that's another thing too is kind of like could you because you could make a way to analyze like um like uh how many x move crosses on each color have been done because you could literally like look at this and be like well, would you look at that? Like, blue has been underrepresented, and I'm going to learn how to solve a cube, so I'm going to learn how to solve blue cross first. <laughs> All right, so my challenge to the listeners, or to you if you want to do this, if you're really bored uh, and have a lot of time on your hands, um, is to take all of the scrambles that have been used now and do some analysis of them <laughs> so that if we were in this world with the hyperdimensional supercomputer, you, we could better prepare ourselves for battle. Yeah, what method should we be using? What cross color should we be using? Yeah. <laughs> um, what ZZ orientation should we be using? Exactly. <laughs> and, and so basically, instead of like analyzing things and finding trends to figure out what's the best to do, we want to do the opposite of whatever has already happened because those things are taken. Yeah, I mean, and the thing too is like with such a high sample size, like the number of scrambles we've pulled, like the imbalances shouldn't be anything significant that would like drastically change our response to this but especially just because like the number of scrambles used in competitions compared to the number of scrambles available is just like magnitude small like of size different (laughs) yeah that's just the one thing that bothers me a little bit is that like the random state generator is now like in the midst of it, not truly random state anymore. Mm-hmm. And it, bi- it biases certain types of scrambles. That's right. Yeah. Um, probably not drastically, but um, yeah, it's, it's basically the difference between sampling with and without replacement. So this is the thing I was thinking about um, before whatever that competition we were both at, Mud Winter, that had Megaminx. Uh, I was practicing Megaminx a bit. I remember when I practiced for competitions. <laughs> Those were good days. And I kind of started thinking about it, and it feels to me like Megaminx is kind of algorithm-resistant. I I don't know, maybe it's just a thing where the more moving parts you have, the less useful algorithms are. Like, if you think about it, like, we use algorithms at the very end of, like, a 7x7 solve because we've reduced it to a Mm 3x3, and we only do it at the very end of the 3x3 stage. So I don't know if this is necessarily, like, a Megaminx-specific thing, but I was just thinking, like, the more pieces you have moving around, the fewer algorithms we tend to use because... There's just more variance in the like the states you can have, so it's much more useful to have an intuitive solution that that like can cover a wide variety of cases than an algorithm which tends to be very narrow. So that that was part of my observation for saying that Megamix is algorithm-resistant, but I also feel like just the shape of the puzzle contributes mm-hmm. to this. Um, it seems like there's a smaller amount of useful finger tricks you can do, mm-hmm. and also the ways that the pieces interact with each other is weird so like on a three by three if you do like there's a lot of easy ways to have sort of symmetries but the fact that that a megaminx is all based on these pentagons 
on each face makes it so that there's way fewer symmetries and i feel like that makes it so that algorithms are less useful well yeah it makes it so that like you can't like you can't use the same case for as many cases or like the same alg for as many cases by like mirroring it or things of that nature yeah and even just stuff like if you want to involve a lot of like even if you're just looking at one face like if you're looking at the top face and you want to know like last layer algorithms those algorithms have to be a lot more complicated because they have to access pieces in like more places it feels like well one thing that a lot of people don't even realize about megaminx um is that it like pyraminx and master pyraminx has no parity states Ooh, love it and i think that has a lot to do with what you're kind of noticing about mega too like, for example, if you were trying to learn, like, Megaminx Blindfolded, which, like, uh, Enoch Gray has a uh, <laughs> uh, tutorial on it. But, um, like, there's no old Pachman right. for Megaminx because you can't do a two-swap of edges and a two-swap of corners. It's not possible. Sorry, this is kind of unrelated, but um, I was also realizing that there's no way to, like, hide pieces super effectively. Yeah, that too. Um. And I feel like that might be kind of related. I don't know. Just thinking about like, like you can't do like an M2 to like move two edges out of the way and then not move very many other pieces into the yeah into your frame. Like you have anything you do has to sort of involve more complicated like I don't know like conjugates or whatever if you want to set up pieces to right. do something with them. Well, and like um uh also with like do you know like optimal H perm? Like it's one of the optimal H perms. I oh for three by three yeah for three by three yeah. I was um, like, what is an H-perm on a Mega yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Um The, um, so if you're doing, um, uh, optimal H-perm, essentially what you do is you, like, take out two F2L pairs simultaneously and switch them. So, like, a R prime, L prime, U2, R, L. And then you do that mirrored from a different angle to do an H-perm again. Yeah. And the reason that works is because, like, the number of times it swaps the last layer or the top layer edges is different from the number of times that it does the corners right well and but the thing is like that's tricks like that like and jperm algs often do stuff like that where you like take out pairs and like move them around yeah like you can't do that stuff symmetrically on megaminx like if you take right. out like if you do like r prime l prime on megapinks mega mega pinks uh, mega pinks <laughs> mega pinks um if you do r prime l prime on uh megaminks one of the pairs is a U2 away from the other pair, but then yeah. it's a U3 or U2 prime for the other pair to get to that state. Yep. So you can't, like, simultaneously switch pairs because odd numbers. Yeah, that that's also kind of what I... Yeah, that's what I was trying to say, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just... It's, what's kind of interesting about Mega 2 is just that how, um, like, a lot of cases that you think could happen, like a two-cycle of edges and two-cycle of corners that's totally legit on a three by three just can't happen on a mega. Right. Like, yeah, just <laughs> the States are very subtly restricted compared to three by three. Um, in that like corner parity has to always be even and edge parry has to always be even. I said like three words wrong in that sentence, but, um, did, did you <laughs> I said like parry and even, <laughs> I, but whatever. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a very weird, weird puzzle in terms of, like, being subtly restrictive. Like, if you want to learn blind on Megaminx, you have to start with, like, three style methods, like doing three cycles of everything, because you oh, yeah. have to do three cycles of pieces. 
Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a very bizarre puzzle in terms of just like the logistics of hiding and removing and the kinds of states it can even have. Um, yeah, it's the true no parody puzzle, <laughs> unlike Pyraminx, which has tip parody. Well, and with Megaminx too, like I'm very alg resistant with Megaminx because like my LL method is like almost algless for the most part. Really? Yeah. I've learned a few just so, to make my life easier. <laughs> So what I do is I um, do EO first to, like, orient the edges of the last layer. Yeah. Then I permute the edges of the last layer. Okay. And then I do corner comms. Hmm. Even if they're unoriented, I just start, like, as if I were finishing an FMC skeleton, like, like doing a linear FMC or something. Because, like, corner comms are super efficient on Mega, and, like, you get so many options for setup moves. It's, like... I don't know, compared to 3 by 3 I feel like I'm fairly restricted on how I can set up just because there's so few faces. Doing corner comps on Mega feels very freeing. So it, like, kind of goes the other way, and now it's like, yeah, Mega Minx is a lot about intuition. That That is actually the other thing that, um, not it's algorithm-resistant, and it's more, like, intuition-friendly, because there's, for, like, algorithms, there's fewer ways to do things symmetrically and fewer ways to hide things in, like, useful yeah. ways. Right. But for intuitive solving... You have all these extra faces you can use to set things up that kind of makes it easier. Yeah, exactly. And, like, corner comms to, like, permute corners, like, are super intuitive on Mega. Like, you can do yeah. them on 3x3, three three too, where you just, like, hide corner, adjust U layer, and keep going. But, like, it's doing that on Mega is, like, almost as efficient as a real ALK. Not quite, but almost. <laughs> do we want to do, um, since we are live, do we want to do, like, a Q&A segment before we go to the end-end segment? Um, sure, we can do one briefly. Cool. Okay. Thoughts favorite on type the... of oh, favorite type of sandwich. That's a much yeah. more less stressful question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a big fan of Jimmy John's. All right, we all so... have our problems. Oh, uh... whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I'm a huge fan of like the the veggie Jimmy John's. Leave bread in. Uh, add pickle, oregano, and uh, what else? something else all right all right and peppers and pepper yeah it's really great sandwich love it in my opinion the only thing you need for a good sandwich is well the best sandwiches are on the the, the long bread you know sub mm-hmm. bread hero bread whatever you want to call it jimmy john's you know they got that going for them at least yeah um but you really just need to douse it in vinegar and oil whatever is on your sandwich <laughs> that, that's it's real the key. messy though but messy. it tastes good. And you need a lot of lettuce, like shredded lettuce, uh, to soak up all of the, the juices. <laughs> this, is, this is just the way to do it. Another question is thoughts on the week-long team, or the week-long FMC results. Everybody got sub-20 means. Um, What is this? I'm not aware. I think it's in, like, the Facebook group. Uh, for oh, okay. Notes. Wait, I, I think I participated in, like, the very first one of these that they ever did a long time ago. Honestly, I w- a year ago, I would have been very skeptical, but I think in the era of domino reduction, I'm not as skeptical. Yeah, I remember when I was when I was doing it, one of my teammates like came up with a slightly sketchy solution that matched Cuban Oh, is this a team event? Yeah. Okay. Oh, is this not, is this different? Is this just everyone has a week to come up with FMC solutions? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I based on it saying just week long, I assume it was just individual, but uh, I don't Because really... what, what we did for this one was... There were teams of five that had a week to do five scrambles. Yeah, I remember those for sure. I haven't paid attention to a lot of the Facebook competitions. Yeah, me neither. 
Oh, it is, yeah, te- that... it is a team event. It is a team okay. event. So. Yeah, no, I, I can totally believe it. If if people now with just doing domino reductions, you just find good solutions eventually. Yeah, because domino is so... There's so many ways to approach a domino, too. Yeah. And, like, I, it, I feel like you get rewarded by just spamming many domino sp- starts if you have unlimited time, essentially. Yeah. Because, like, eventually, I feel like if you, like, find 10... Do- like, if you find 10 dominoes on a scramble, which is totally reasonable for five people to do within a week um that like one of those dominoes has an easy sub 20 i could find 10 in 10 minutes (laughs) well i guess i'm saying 10 good dominoes okay okay (laughs) not like long dominoes (laughs) now i'm just picturing a long domino like it's the just the two parts like a normal domino but one of them's like um like five feet long i was just imagining a long domino's pizza that is more cursed somehow (laughs) uh (laughs) How to memorize algs. How to memorize algs? Uh, mnemonics. Really? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. That's... Uh, I just do them like a hundred times. Yeah, just do them. Do them a lot. Yeah, there's kind of no better way to do it because it's muscle memory. You just got to, you, you can't be thinking about it. The nerves in your fingers have to be doing it. Yeah. Um, what do you think about having virtual cube as an event for cubing at home? That is... I would like it if everybody had like Bluetooth cubes. Yeah. As far as like just like simulator, um, I don't like it that much. Oh yeah, I was thinking like a Bluetooth cube when I thought virtual cube, but yeah. But yeah, if everyone had Bluetooth cubes, that would be cool. Then you could like set up things. And it would make it harder to cheat. It would make mm-hmm. it better for streaming. I don't know. Yeah, that totally. that that would be fun. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think people have access to them in large enough numbers. <laughs> Do you still want advice questions? Yes. We haven't received very many. But only good ones. Yeah. (laughs) We've received many bad advice questions that are not (laughs) good at coming up with good content for. But we do want more. Eventually, we would like to do that advice episode. It's uh, just uh, people have not sent in a lot of questions, and the ones that have been sent in have not been very good for, like, (laughs) generating conversation. Yeah, it's a lot of questions. Like, if you if you ask a funny question, we can, like, read it, laugh at it, and then that's kind of it. So we would need a lot of those, and they need to all be, like, unique and funny in order for it to work. Yeah. Best approach for ALGSET learning is probably the worst question you can ask me, because I don't even know full OLL. I can answer that. <laughs> I've memorized many a weird ALGSET in my day. Okay. Break it down into as many subsections as you can. So, for instance, when I, I knew a decent amount of ZBLL at one point. I have forgotten a lot of it, um, but that's just because I haven't been practicing enough three by three in general, not because my methods were bad for learning it. So, like, you can obviously break ZBLL down by into OLLs, and then you can break it down into COLLs. But I would break it down even further. I would break it down by like these three cases have these two stickers the same or something. And then the more ways you have to break it down like that, the better you can categorize things. So it, that way, when you recognize the case, you're like, okay, not only is it this OLL shape, not only is it this corner permutation, it's also this specific thing that limits it to like three algs. So now I just have to remember which of those three algs it is rather than which of those 12 algs or those 72 algs or whatever. So really just like subdivide as much as you can. The more subdivisions you have in your head, the more quickly you can like sort through them all. Yeah. 
to people who are confused about good advice questions i highly advise you listen to uh an episode of dear hank and john and you will understand what a good advice question is yes absolutely (laughs) that is a great podcast with great questions there's a lot of good advice podcast types of questions that's like the one that i listen to the most of though and it's hilarious yeah Um, it is (laughs) and that will that will get you the idea of what a good advice question is Will Kit ever try to be sub Mark on butter eating? <laughs> Absolutely not. It's <laughs> um, a great event. Hey, you know, speaking of events, I feel like it's time to go to our end segment. Oh yes, let's do it. So, if you don't remember from last episode, uh, we have both come up with our own SEE events. We're going to describe them to each other. We're going to report our results. Then everyone at home can go do them and. Kit can go do the one I did, and I can do the one he did. Um, and we'll report back next episode with what we did on each other's and also have new new challenges for each other. Um, so we're not going to take any time like we did last episode to actually do solves on the episode, because that just doesn't... I mean, that's only funny the first time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So we're just going to be telling our results and describing the events. Hopefully we come up with some good ones. Yep, sounds good. Um, do you want to start with yours? Because I feel like mine's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, mine's awful. Um, so I realized I was taking so much time, like, getting Twitch ready for the live event today that I totally lost track of time and didn't come up with a new event. Uh, and literally while the stream was count- counting down in the last three minutes, that is when I came up with my event. So uh, the the event I came up on was 3x3 three three with mask. Uh, it's basically three by three blindfolded, except you don't put the blindfold over your eyes. You put it over your nose and mouth. <laughs> so you, where does, the, where does the mask start? It starts not on your nose and mouth. You have to, your, your cube starts scrambled in the cover. Uh-huh. You have to start the timer just like it's a blindfold and you can't uh-huh. turn it while your mask is off, but you can inspect it. But the timer's running just like in blindfolded. Okay. And then you have to put on a mask. Uh huh. <laughs> and then you start solving. Got it. <laughs> How did you do? Do you have results? I got a nineteen point eight five because no inspection is hard. All right. Great. <laughs> yep. Well, I came up with my event <laughs> at least a day in advance, so I did an average of five. Oh. Okay. My event is very original it's called blindfolded three by three so we both did something with covering parts well of a person or puzzle <laughs> yeah there you go it's not three by three blindfolded it's <laughs> blindfolded three by three oh God. so what you have to do is take a blindfold well so you scramble the cube then you like throw it in the air or whatever to get it into a random orientation mm-hmm then you're going to put a blindfold on the cube. You have to always be holding that blindfold, pinching it on opposite sides of the cube okay. during the entire solve. If you ever lose contact, that's a DNF. So it has to always be contacting two different sides of the cube or two different sides of one layer at least. So like you can do like an R wide or whatever okay. to get around it. And yeah, it's, as it turns out, it's pretty difficult to do that. <laughs> I will now reveal my results to you. Okay. My average of five was 57.021. Uh, <laughs> beautiful i i got much better at the end though i kind of figured out like I, the key to getting getting the solve done at the end i got a 38 on my last solve and i think i could have gotten better if i did more 
but yeah, any questions about the the technical rules for the event? Not particularly. <laughs> Seems interesting. Yeah, it's blindfolded three by three. I, I have a new idea for my event uh, next week now. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Semi not related at all, but it made me, <laughs> it made me thinking about like, your event got me sidetracked in the middle of your discussion. So I'm not even actually sure what the event is. Um, but I started thinking about what my <laughs> event would be for next episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got, you got to do my event too next time and I'll, I'll do your three by three with mask thing. <laughs> Perfect. I might have to ask you questions off show then. <laughs> I definitely zoned out thinking about other events in halfway in. You just have to be holding the blindfold, contacting both sides of at least one layer of the cube at all times. Reasonable. Okay. Well, I've got like a treasure trove of jet blue blindfolds, so I think I'll be good. Nice. <laughs> all right. Cool. Do we have anything else we need to do today? No, I think we're just about set for today's episode. Cool. That's awesome. an episode. <laughs> hey, Kit, could you, um, what would you need if, like, you wanted your boat to, um, go through the water based on wind power? A cloth on a stick. Yeah, but what is that? Um, a wind catcher. Yeah, uh-huh. A snail <laughs> sure that's good enough uh. <laughs> all right we have data point one for the bell 